Welcome to the listeners of Tal Radio English. Today we are going to celebrate kind-hearted people who selflessly work towards enabling basic rights for the underprivileged section of our society. Guest today leads the National Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Strategy at Volunteers of America, an organization over 125 years of history, and we are excited to have Christina Blau, Director Corporate Partnerships and DEI. She is a passionate mission-oriented professional with multicultural upbringing and background. Christina, welcome to the show and congratulations on the 125th anniversary of Volunteers of America. We are Thank glad you, to have Akshay. you here. Thank you actually. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Same here. Christina, what inspired you to take volunteering as a career and what does it mean personally to you? So, I um will start off by sharing that our name Volunteers of America is a little bit of a misnomer. Um so back in 1896 when we were founded, the word volunteer actually had a very different meaning than it does today. It's someone who dedicated their professional career to helping others as opposed to today, right? In terms of what we think of as a volunteer. Um and so I just, you know, I want to share that Volunteers of America is a a large national nonprofit with a portfolio of over 16,000 paid employees and I'm, you know, proud to be one of them um that really dedicates um their professional careers to um serving those in need throughout our communities in the United States, uh Puerto Rico and Alaska um throughout various communities. For me on a personal level, um Volunteers of America really ties in with my uh life goals as well as kind of my life overview if you will so i've always wanted to dedicate myself to uh serving others um in since childhood i've been heavily involved in uh volunteering throughout my community in various capacities whether it was tutoring or you know helping neighbors that sort of thing um and that really took off when i went to college um for my undergraduate and graduate studies um i i studied um middle eastern studies and i i really focused in on the perspective of civil society and the impact uh that women and children in particular can have on civil society when they're given the tools and the opportunity to really serve uh their community and so when it came time to kind of uh take up a full-time job after graduating volunteers of america i had served a few internships with them and i really fell in love with the mission and so here i am 8 years later awesome it's very important that uh, your life goal is matching up with what you are currently doing so very important to have and i believe you are fortunate enough to have that going ahead for you there are a lot of people who don't know what their life goal is as well but uh, yeah happy to hear that and how and when did you actually get associated with VOA so uh, i mentioned earlier uh, i started off as an intern with them um so my after my junior year of college um i hadn't had any professional like in office experience per se um and so i worked with our career center at the college of william and mary my um my undergraduate alma mater and came across the posting uh for volunteers of america and, and their national headquarters is actually based here where i live uh in alexandria virginia and i i applied um it was for their meetings department um helping them organize their national conference uh which happens in june every year and i um i applied i came and i interviewed 
Um, and that was in the summer of 2010. I loved it so much that I maintained the relationship with uh, the team that I worked with. And um, I ended up serving another two, technically three internships. I came back that December of 2010 and worked over my winter break. I went back the summer of 2011 and then again in 2013 when I graduated from um, grad school. And then in essence, I was applying to full-time jobs after I finished that internship with them in 2013. And an opportunity came up in the office of their president and CEO. And I applied and I accepted the role in September of 2013. And here I am. Uh, my plan at the time was just to do it for a year, maybe two, um, until I could find uh, opportunities, I think more in the international space, more aligned with uh, the work I had done in Middle Eastern studies. But uh, nonetheless, you know, VOA has captured my heart and continues to capture my heart uh, on a day-to-day basis. Um, so I stay. Absolutely. Yeah, good to know that. And how does uh, Volunteers of America is committing to diversity, equity, and inclusion? Can you give us more details for some of our listeners to understand on the overall initiatives? Absolutely. So um, back in, I want to say 2016, you know, Volunteers of America really started its journey on the intentional piece of our diversity, equity, and inclusion work. And I say intentional um, in wanting to highlight that you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion has naturally been a part of the work that we do um, since our inception in 1896. Uh, I mean, we were we were founded uh, by uh, Ballington and Maud Booth and his and Maud Booth, uh, Ballington's wife. So one of our founders is a woman. Um, was really a pioneer um, at a time that women weren't necessarily, you know, working in that type of role. Um, and so we've kind of continued along that path, um, I think, in kind of a natural way. But in 2016, we made the decision to be much more intentional um, and outright focused on it, I think. And so in, in 2018, it became part of our strategic plan um, in a very critical way. Um, we came out with an official, an official statement, which we hadn't done before, um, which is simply that, you know, Volunteers of America values the rich diversity uh, among all people uh, in our goal to create a world of greater justice and hope. You know, we've got various tenants under that, um, but, you know, a lot of the key pieces of this, I think, really are um, promoting an inclusive environment, not just at the office um, from an internal culture perspective, but also throughout our services. Um, so making sure that everyone that we touch uh, and that touches Volunteers of America, quite frankly, um, that all people feel accepted, valued, included, and as though they belong. And I think on the program service component, and I'm, I'm happy to go into this when we talk about actual services, you know, really pursuing equity and equity in terms of access to equal treatment um, and positive outcomes through our programs. We're really pursuing equity kind of as our key pillar, uh, particularly moving forward into the next uh, three to five years. Right. And other important uh, objective that VOE is helping is uh, individuals and families overcome their personal challenges to help them lead productive and healthy lives. Uh, uh, any any uh, experiences or any details that you would like to share with us? Sure. I mean, one of the beauties of Volunteers of America is... Um, you know, we're, we're one of the nation's most comprehensive um, 
service charities, human services charity. Um, I mean, we, we serve 1.5 million people throughout the year. Um, we're, you know, we're essentially in over 400 communities across the United States, uh, as well as Puerto Rico, as I mentioned earlier. And we really, um, I think the thing that I find most endearing about Volunteers of America since its inception is our local offices and local programs are really built around the community needs. And so we have this huge portfolio of services, but they're really tailored to what's happening on the ground. And so some of our offices offer a particular set of programs because that's what their community needed or needs. Um, that might not be the case at another affiliate in a different region or a different location. They might have a different portfolio of services, right? Um, and so generally speaking, some of the key buckets that we or, or groups that we serve, um, so we run children and youth services. We have community enhancement programs um, to try and create a safety net for individuals um, and families in need. Um, we offer correctional services, elderly services, healthcare, homelessness services, obviously affordable housing. We're the largest affordable housing provider in the United States. And then in addition to that, we also serve veterans uh, as well as those living with intellectual disabilities um, as, well as, as well as mental and behavioral health needs. Providing quality and affordable housing is a huge accomplishment of UA, one of the largest in the USA. You're also extending beyond just the housing to promote additional support services we would like to hear more about those initiatives. Sure. Um, so, you know, as far as housing is concerned, I think for us, it's it's kind of one of the key pieces of all of this. Um, and so for us, when we, when we talk about housing and when we talk about housing with services in place, um, right, I think kind of the primary step to all of this is we provide that place to shelter when someone doesn't have anywhere to go. Um, we kind of provide that temporary safe haven. And then we really work through some of our transitional housing uh, services, as well as our supportive care um, to really get that person on a path to, or help that person get on a path to um, permanent, safe, stable housing, and then addressing kind of whatever need they might have, right? Um, and so, Particularly with the permanent housing component, we want to make sure that we're providing um, some intensive supportive services for that individual, um, whether it be um, mental support, you know, mental health support, behavioral care support, um, to really manage whatever they might be dealing with um, on an individual level. And I say that, you know, our services range from children and youth all the way to the elderly, um, to seniors. And so um, obviously there are some very different needs there. And so we really structure our services um, around what that particular community might need. Absolutely. You're bringing out quite a very important aspects of what people would require and the needs, uh, the expectations that needs to be delivered as part of an organization overall objective and mission. Uh, I'd like to go in detail about each one of those sequentially. And first, like we see people spend nights without food and shelter in cold, rain and summer heat. VOA has been rebuilding lives of these homeless people. How does the outreach happen to fulfill this objective? Sure. Um, so, I mean, an important question there. Um, 
you know, I, I touched on this earlier when I was kind of going through our portfolio of possible services. Um, and I think it's kind of a two-pronged approach. Um, from, an, from a community enhancement standpoint, um, I think VOA really tries whenever possible to create kind of a safety net or a safety network, if you will. Um, and so that really happens, I think, through referrals, through really knowing the community in terms of those who might be in need of support. And so that might happen through a food bank. It might happen through one of our thrift stores um, across the country in terms of really making that out, outreach. Um, I think the other piece of this is, you know, in terms of family members who might be looking for um, help in caring for a loved one in need, um, you know, you can go on our website at any point and type in what zip code you're in and it ties you to the local office, the local programs. Um, and so for sure some out, you know, outreach opportunities there. Um, I think the other piece of this really speaks to what I shared earlier in terms of, um, you know, trying to mitigate, I think the long-term uh, danger of homelessness, right? So, um, or long-term homelessness rather, um, which really I think is based in, so if someone is homeless, right, we get them into that, um, that temporary like safe haven housing, right? And then we start moving them through with supportive services that I mentioned earlier, uh, depending on what their needs might be, really moving them through a process of, you know, they're homeless tonight and it's a cold night to what does temporary housing look like? And then from there, what does permanent stable housing look like? And what are the services that we need to provide in each of those stages to really support this person um, so that they can live the healthiest, happiest life possible? And I think that kind of that framework really informs not just the initial um, intake uh, with a client, right? The initial service to a client, but I think kind of that long-term wraparound service approach. Right. And how are you trying to fight the hunger? So we have quite, uh, this again, I, I cannot emphasize enough. I think the beauty of VOA is that um, even, even in specific service lines, we have a lot of different options. Um, and so I'll, I'll give some examples of kind of how we begin to address hunger throughout our communities. You know, one example I can provide is um, in our Volunteers of America Southeast Louisiana office. So that'll be the New Orleans region of Louisiana. Um, we offer a program called um, Fresh Food Factor. And we essentially, through that program, provide local, healthy, and affordable meals um, for education programs throughout the community. So um, essentially offering lunch, and I believe sometimes breakfast, um, to really help students in terms of their overall health, right, and really address that hunger need, but make it so that they can also focus in school. So that's, you know, that's one way that we do it. And obviously that's tied to children and youth uh, in our Volunteers of America Western Washington office, as well as our Volunteers of America Colorado office. I believe there are a few others, but those are the two I'll highlight. Um, we offer a Meals on Wheels service um, for seniors. So that really looks like we are delivering meals um, to seniors throughout the community to make sure that they are getting, um, you know, they're getting their food needs met. And that, I mean, obviously there's a Meals on Wheels uh, nonprofit and program uh, that does the same thing, but, you know, VOA has tailored that to seniors. Um, and then the third program that I'll share is um, 
We offer food banks. So again, Volunteers of America Colorado um, has a food bank where families in need or, or, you know, someone who's hungry, quite frankly, can come and get the food that they need. Um, and I believe that's open daily, but, um, you know, really kind of addressing, those are just three examples of the many different ways that we provide um, food and really address hunger throughout the community. Right. And uh, all these efforts, I don't think they would happen without any challenges. And then, in fact, uh, one of the biggest challenges that we are all facing is the COVID-19 pandemic, right? And uh, I was going through your website and uh, I have already seen like how much of work the whole volunteers, the team of volunteers is uh, is in getting involved and working tirelessly on the front lines. Uh, we'd like to learn more about your experiences on the field during uh, this pandemic era and uh, how was it so challenging for you to kind of uh, deliver to the core objectives of the organization? Sure. I really think you put it very well stated, I'll say. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest challenge is that while the rest of the world was closing and going into quarantine, our staff, uh, particularly those staff that serve um in 24-7 programs, right? So programs that don't ever close and provide services around the clock, um, they didn't get to quarantine. They didn't get to go home. And so very similar to what we're seeing in terms of the hospitals and doctors and healthcare workers throughout the United States, um, you know, they were really put to the test. They they had to keep going in, um, even amidst the risk of COVID. Um, they had to they had to deal with highly vulnerable populations in in regards to covid right so a lot of the senior populations and a lot of those at risk populations for you know kind of the highest risk when it comes to covid um so is this the best i can describe it is kind of this balancing act so being able to provide the services on the ground in a safe way for that community um and i'll you know i'm going to highlight seniors here because i think that's the one you know we hear about pretty regularly in the news right you've got seniors who are highly vulnerable to covid um in the most extreme sense you have the front care staff, the frontline staff that are going in each and every day to care for those seniors and continue providing services for VOA. And at the same time, those staff members have families at home um, that they are also putting at risk, you could say. Um, they're putting, they're essentially having to balance um, their day-to-day -day work with the needs of their families, the needs of their clients and the people that they serve daily. And I just, you know, I cannot commend um the the heroes on the front line, the heroes and the sheroes on the front line who continued that 24-7 work throughout COVID um, amid the risks um, and really had to mitigate it on a day-to-day, -day, you know, minute-by-minute -minute basis, um, kind of with COVID looming. Yeah, I believe we are all thankful to you and your team for being there in the time of need, in the time of crisis. It takes a lot of courage for taking uh, the initiative when everybody stops and you were all there tirelessly working on the front lines. Thanks a lot for your whole team. A big kudos to the whole team for so generously working for everybody on the field. Thank you very much for that. And uh, just extending our conversation, uh, Christina, we have seen that we are actually very fortunate to have everything at our end, what God has given, right? And But then there are people 
who have disabilities and they are dependent. But there is a big task that VOA has taken up is to empower people with disabilities and make them independent in communities. And that's a very huge task. How difficult is this journey? Um, I think every population comes with its challenges. I mean, we, we serve thousands of individuals across the country um, with specialized programs that range anywhere from you know, autism, age-related issues, and some other challenges. Um, and I think one of the things that we do well, again, is kind of providing this range of services to meet someone where they're at. Um, and so that might look like in-home support. It might look like um, outpatient support, um, you know, day-to-day case management of this of this individual with medication, with um, therapy, whatever they might need, um, you know, and in, and in a lot of cases where we can, you know, we have day programs, we offer some, we offer supportive employment or specialized residential services um, and just really support their overall day-to-day living, um, particularly those with intellectual disabilities. Um, so I, de- I definitely think it's, you know, difficult kind of as you highlighted, but um, I think it's just kind of part of the gambit um, in terms of VOA and really serving the populations that we serve. It's always wonderful. I think for me, one of the highlights in my time at VOA has been kind of the opportunities to hear from uh, in, you know, individuals that benefit from our services. Um, You know, I've had a few chances to interact with them and I, th- I think the day-to-day support um, so that they can, again, live kind of their happiest, healthiest uh, life. Um, I mean, that's the goal. Um, and so if, if we can do that and we can do it well and, and we do, we're starting to address that challenge, you know, on a communal level. Right. And then being happy and healthy is, is very important. But there are a lot of people with mental illness, addiction, disorders, and a lot of youngsters are getting impacted uh, with these uh, disorders. What steps are being taken to eradicate such concerns? Sure. Um, so I think this again ties to um, kind of our behavioral health services throughout the country. We serve those. Um, we serve those that are really struggling with or suffering from uh, chronic or severe mental illness again, through a variety of wraparound services, depending on what they need and where they're at. And so in helping them kind of successfully manage their lives, particularly in times of crisis, you know, that might look like crisis counseling, for example, or a hotline program, right? I think we're all familiar kind of with the hotline program um, structure, if you will. There are a variety of nonprofits that offer, you know, suicide prevention lines and hotline programs. But this also, I think, includes in the long term from a VOA perspective, right? Case management, day programs when possible to help support someone, a drop-in center where they might come. And then I think kind of into the, you know, I think the more kind of 24-7 services that I was referring to earlier, right? That might look like residential care um, or supported independent living where you have a caseworker that provides uh, day-to-day support services programs um, to that person and really helps meet their mental health needs. And, you know, I'll provide as an example, um, 
because you touched on this in terms of sometimes that leads to addiction or struggles with addiction, you know, we, um, our Volunteers of America Mid-States office um, uh, runs a program called Family Focused Recovery. And that program really focuses on uh, mothers who are struggling with addiction, who may or may not have an undiagnosed or, or um, an unrecognized, I'll say, um, you know, mental health need that was never addressed. Um, this program really works to kind of, again, provide wraparound services whereby not only the substance use disorder is being met, but the mental health needs are being met through a variety of different channels. And I think the other piece there too, um, that makes this program particular, you know, unique in particular is that a lot of substance uh, misuse programs don't allow you to bring your child with you. Um, and this program does. And so you already have a natural support of the family within that program, um, right? Uh, a mother with her children being able to address whatever issues she might be having through a supported environment. Um, so, and that's just one example. I mean, again, our services are so unique in terms of being based specifically on the client and specifically on what the community need might be, you know, any one of our affiliates offers probably a program that serves uh, that population in need. Right. And uh, just getting onto one of the aspects that you were earlier talking about, uh, it's like correctional re-entry. Um, as they say that love and compassion can mold anyone. Uh, one such great example is the correctional reentry of uh, uh, of people back into the society, and that's one of the important uh, uh, services that VOA is providing. What it's like to uh, make people realize the importance of the right way of life. Um, so, when it comes to our correctional services, that, so I'll say correctional services have been a part of VOA's legacy from our founding. So. Um, Maud Booth, the, our, our woman founder, if you will, she really started, you know, our ministry of service as, as a faith-based organization um, going to prisons uh, back in 1896 and working with uh, those that were currently incarcerated. And, you know, that kind of has been a thread in VOA's service lines uh, since then. I think VOA so kind of in that vein, right? Volunteers of America from our correctional reentry services standpoint, um, we essentially, we provide services for offenders or ex-offenders to successfully transition from prison to a productive life in the community. And through that, we obviously, we help rehabilitate those adults of those adult offenders um, and steer them as well as youth um, to kind of set new directions for their lives. Um, through, again, the wraparound services that I've touched on uh, multiple times throughout this conversation. And so those services include, yes, the traditional halfway house that kind of helps transition immediately from having been in prison to then back out into day-to-day -day life with your family and in your community. But the services provided there uh, in those programs include, right, work release programs, a day-to-day -day reporting system, um, you know, to some degree, diversion and pretrial services, residential treatment if needed, you know, family support. Um, and then I think, you know, another unique thing that we offer is um, we offer a mentoring service, right? Um, to kind of give, um, give our clients kind of 
that one-on-one peer experience, if you will. And I think all the while, not only addressing the successful reentry into society, but um, making sure that we mitigate the risks um, moving into the future. So making sure they have stable housing, making sure that any um, mental health needs are being met, making sure that any other services that might need to be in place to help support this individual are in place. And it's challenging work, as you can imagine. Right. And uh, other important uh, initiatives that I see is uh, the Shea Moral Injury Center and the RESD, the Resilience Strength Time. Uh, Can you give us more details about these two initiatives? Sure. So moral injury, I'll just give a kind of brief overview of of moral injury because I I don't know that it's that commonly known or that, you know, widely known. Um, So moral injury is the suffering that someone experiences when they are in a high stakes situation. If things go wrong and it's the harm that results from really witnessing something or taking part in something that challenges your deepest moral code, um, as well as your ability to trust in someone else or in other people, or even in yourself, that harm can be something we did. It can be something we witnessed. It can be something that was done to us. Um, and the result of that, the moral injury of that is kind of the emotions that are tied to it, right? The shame, the guilt, uh, the self-condemnation, the outrage, and then the sorrow. And so in identifying that, Volunteers of America really took that on. Um, in thinking about it, it it's something that um, I think started off really heavily in the veteran community. So those returning from war. And I think VOA really has seen it as something that actually applies to multiple uh, populations that we serve, whether it be someone who is a returning citizen, right, within our correction services. It might be, um, you know, we might see it in our children and youth services, um, you know, in terms of the children that we're serving who have witnessed something that really tainted their moral code or, or went against their moral code. I, I don't want to use the word tainted. I'm sorry. Right. And it, it might, we might even see it in our senior programs in terms of the caregivers, you know, caregivers who are struggling with what the right choices or what the right choices are in terms of care for a loved one. And so um, Volunteers of America initially came out with something called Resilience Strength Training, RST, um, and that was really targeted to the veteran community. Um, it's, it was in person, this is pre-COVID, um, and it was around kind of the peer support and working through the moral injury in a peer group. And as a result of COVID, um, what we did is we really transitioned that program into um we transitioned that program into resilience strength training or sorry, resilience strength time or our rest program, if you will. Um, and that is an online peer support. So it's totally virtual and it was um, created and, and is still running. Um, it, it is to support frontline care workers um, and help them stay resilient and maintain kind of those positive commitments to the field of caregiving. Um, And so those sessions are uh, confidential. They're small group sessions and um, they're traditionally facilitated by a trained 
peer in the field. Um, and what it is, it's, it's a space that allows for kind of the sharing, the reflection, and that self-care uh, to relieve any possible moral distress. So, and that was really built off of that initial resilience strength training, RST, um, which was initially designed for military veterans. Absolutely. And, and I think that that holds a very important uh, place in the overall efforts and supporting the volunteers as well um, and bringing that strength back in them. Just just moving a little bit away uh, on our discussion, uh, Christina, Christina, what we've seen that childhood is the most beautiful period in anyone's life. But uh, unfortunately, we see some kids don't have an ideal childhood. And uh, you are very closely associated with such children. What do you think are the most underlying problems for such children and how can we make every child happier? Yeah. So actually, I'm actually going to ask a question back just to make sure I answer this, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, within the right context. So I I can speak to this from the VOA perspective. So the Volunteers of America perspective in terms of our children and youth services, or I can answer this from the perspective of um Outside of my day-to-day work at Volunteers of America, I serve as a court, a volunteer court-appointed special advocate or a CASA, C-A-S-A, um, in the communities of Arlington and Alexandria, Virginia. Um, and in that capacity, I serve as an advocate uh, for children in the foster care system um, who have been abused and neglected. Um, I advocate for them um, in partnership with uh, our Department of Social Services, um, usually their guardian at litem or their lawyer, and then the court um, overseeing that case. And so I just want to, uh, before I kind of dive into my answer, I, I had planned on answering, um, or I'd like to answer kind of with that second example, but if you want me to touch on this from a VOA perspective, I'm happy to. You know, I, I came with this question from your CASA experience itself. Okay. So uh, feel free to kind of uh, cover both the aspects. We would, we would certainly want to hear your thoughts on it. Okay. So kind of, I'll touch really quickly on kind of the VOA aspect. So I, I think this touches in terms of children and youth and our services for children and youth. This really touches on, um, again, kind of that wraparound service mindset really supporting children in terms of what their needs might be and where they're at. And that looks very different depending on the community that you're in, right? In terms of the Volunteers of America scope. And so that might look like a foster care program, um, which our Volunteers of America Illinois program runs, um, you know, a a foster and adoption program uh, in partnership with um, their state. Um, It might look like a... um, a homeless youth program, you know, throughout the United States, a homeless youth program where youth who don't have anywhere to go can come and then kind of start making their way through the wraparound services that I've touched on a few times now, right? Moving into a permanent solution for housing uh, with wraparound services. Um, And that's the beauty of what we do, I think, is depending on what the child needs and what the community needs, those programs really meet them where they're at. And I think you know, to the to the whole point of your question, we are working to help them establish productive, healthy, happy lives. And sometimes that happens as young as childhood, um, making sure that whatever supports they might need are in place uh, for the long term. Um, as far as my work as a court appointed special advocate or a CASA, um, 
it's difficult work on multiple levels. I think for one, um, you know, we're meeting, we're working with a lot of families in need. Um, and I'm talking about the whole family and structure. Um, they're in need of services. They're in need of support. Sometimes they're in need of um, mental health support and behavioral care support um, that they have not had access to for whatever reason. Um, and so oftentimes what this looks like is a partnership. Um, yes, potentially while the child is in foster care, um, but that partnership might look like helping this parent, um, this biological parent or biological parents really address some of the things that led to the abuse and neglect in the first place. Um, and so what are the, what are the services that they need to really address whatever issue that particular family might be having? And again, the beauty of this is I think the system in general, when I say the system, I think it's just the wider community, I think is slowly coming to realize that, you know, if you, if you support the family and you support the parents in whatever it is that they might need, um, you can help mitigate this incredible number of thousands of children being in the foster care system um, across the United States, if you can find ways to keep a family together. Now, obviously there are situations where that can't happen, um, right? And we're talking in cases of, I think, extreme abuse or something that we all might categorize as extreme abuse, whether that's sexual abuse or domestic abuse against the child. And so, uh, or domestic violence against the child, I'll say. You know, in those cases, it's really, I think, about providing whatever services might need to be provided to the child. Um, and, and I say that we do that in, in terms of keeping them with their families when we can. But in addition to addressing whatever the parent might need, um, particularly in cases of extreme abuse, right, it's figuring out what the child needs, what are what are the services that need to be in place for this child, whether that be mental health services, whether that be just day-to-day -day, um, medical care that they, for whatever reason, have never had, um, making sure that they're going to school, making sure that, um, you know, if they have an interest in an extracurricular activity, if they like to paint, if they like to play sports, what are the things that need to happen to make sure this child has access to that extracurricular activity? And so my role as CASA, I really view as a partnership it's a partnership with all of the parties involved in that child's case to make sure they have every single possible thing they might need. And sometimes in a case, you have more than one child in that case, right? You have a family of children. It's literally addressing yep. the needs of each child, right? Um, and taking a hard look at what that might be and then advocating for those services, right? Advocating um, to the court that, this child needs X, Y, or Z, and we need to make sure that it gets put in place, um, whether it be with the foster parent or with the biological parent. And it's difficult. I mean, it, it is, it's difficult. Um, and I think key to all of this is kind of the mental health support, right? Um, from a mental health perspective, what's the trauma that this child has been through or is going through currently? And how can we best address that and help them cope um, you know, cope through that. Yeah, it's so very difficult to put words to their difficulties, right? It's such a big psychological impact. Yeah, yeah. We, do, we would not have any words for them. Yeah, that is absolutely true. 
just getting back to things a little bit more making it more lighter i know it was something very <laughs> serious uh, conversation yeah. on that front but uh, anything that you would like to talk about uh, new and inspiring that you would like to share about the ei programs sure um so you know in terms of diversity equity and inclusion um it really is kind of my bread and butter in that there is DEI in every single thing that we do. And when I say we, I don't just mean VOA and I don't just mean my volunteering with the CASA program. I mean, we as in a general society, right? It touches everything. Um, and so I think from a VOA perspective and, and DEI programming, what that really looks like moving forward for us is um, being intentional around leading with equity. So um, when I say leading with equity, um, I think it's a couple of different facets, right? It's it's making sure that our um, leadership at the board level and at the executive level across the organization really looks like the communities that we're serving, right? So making sure that we're diverse in those areas from a leadership perspective. I think it is, you know, in terms of health and health equity, um, particularly because we are a I think a a health services organization in in terms of our human service focus, you know, it's, it's really about establishing healthier communities for all. And so making sure that in terms of data, in terms of tracking and in terms of actual implementation of our programs across the United States, making sure that we are reaching diverse communities, that we are making our health uh, and housing services easily accessible to all communities, not just one community, not just one particular type of person, but making sure that we're accessible to all um, and that we're providing equitable care to all that are in our programs. And I think the other piece of this, and this is more from kind of an operations standpoint, um, I think it's really around being thoughtful um, in terms of our partnerships and our suppliers, so our vendors and our different relationships across the country, making sure that we partner with organizations that are like-minded in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and then at the same time being thoughtful around our suppliers and our vendors, right? Are we giving equal access to minority-owned businesses to bid on our um you know, on, on the programs or the offerings that we have um, in terms of building partnerships and vendor relationships, right? Do we have supplier diversity? Um, and so those are things that are literally happening right now as we speak at the national level. And I believe kind of at the local level as well, it, it it's much more of an intentional data-focused approach at how we ensure diversity, equity, and inclusion is happening every day, all the time, and in everything that we do. Thank you, Christina. I mean, that is like a real uh, detailed uh, overview about it. We, we are very glad to have that piece of information for our listeners on the show over here today. Christina, thank you very much for uh, joining us today. It was uh, wonderful having a conversation with you. Likewise, Akshay, thank you all for the invitation to participate in this um, and to shed some light on VOA and the incredible work uh, that Volunteers of America does across the U.S. So thank you. Absolutely. We are are privileged to have you on our show. Thank you very much.